0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Just Get A Real Job. I am your host, Jamie McKinley. If you are a returning listener, thank you very much for coming back. If you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome. And remember to check out our back catalogue. We've got a lot of great episodes recorded now, so make sure and check them out. As always as well, if you have been enjoying the podcast and you haven't yet left us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Please, if you can spare the time to do that, that would be amazing because that really pushes us up the charts and it gets us seen. And, you know, we want to keep growing, we want to get new listeners. So if you can share us on social media as well, stuff like that, that would be very, very much appreciated. And also, if you can afford to donate whatever you can to our Patreon page as well, if you want to get involved with that, that would be amazing. All the money we make goes back into the podcast so yeah that would be great and of course there is a link to our patreon page in the show notes but anyway that's enough plugging from me now but yeah it's been it's been quite a busy few weeks for me recently i feel like i'm doing quite a lot of things um which is great but you know sometimes it is you need to watch and you don't overwork yourself which i did last month so yeah because I mean, I'm doing the podcast, which I love, you know, this I love doing Just Get A Real Job, it's amazing. Also trying to work on a few writing projects, I, I work part-time in care, as many of you guys know as well. And then also I'm trying to break into film and TV, so this week I'm COVID supervising another short film, which is great fun. But, you know, it's, it's all hands on deck at the moment, and um, I think it's important as a creative to not overwork yourself and to have healthy habits around, like, work-life balance and stuff, which I'm definitely still figuring out how to do. But um, it is quite fun and it's an exciting time, Um, even in lockdown, to have all these things going on. But yeah, so I'm a little bit tired today and I'm maybe babbling a wee bit, but you know, we'll, you bear with us. But obviously, today, at the day the episode is going out, which is tomorrow, but you know, today for you guys, yeah, it's a year since we officially went into lockdown. So we have been dealing with COVID for way over a year now. And yeah, it's been a pretty weird year, I think we'd all agree. And uh, I don't know, I've just sort of been reflecting on things that, you know, how the last year sort of went for everyone and what what sort of a world we're we're living in now, the new normal that, you know, I'm sure we're all sick of hearing about. Such a a discombobulating year. It's just it's been been mental. So yeah, I've just I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that and uh obviously at the start of each episode of the podcast I usually share either a poem or a bad review of a great film. Uh, and I haven't actually shared any of my own work for a long time because I've not really been working on anything. But this is a poem I wrote a few weeks ago and I've kind of been a bit apprehensive to read it out in the podcast. But I thought, you know what? Get over yourself. Read it out. It doesn't have to be good. The listeners can listen to it. They can judge if it's good or not. If it's bad, who cares? So here's a little poem I've been working on and I think we can all relate to this. It's very much about being in lockdown and it's called Rinse and Repeat. Time flies when you're having fun. Well, how about time flies when you're stuck in the house? Blink twice and you'll miss it. One minute you're breathing in the morning, and suddenly you're breathing out the afternoon. And then before you know it, you're brushing your teeth. Rinse and repeat. Okay, I think that might be bad, reading that out, but you know what, it's in the world now. If you thought it was bad or good, please let me know. Get in touch. You know, I- I'm happy to hear. I can take I can take the criticism. I- I'm, le- I'm learning, I'm learning. Anyway... As you can tell, my brain is not quite with it today. And this is a very, very badly intro, but I hope you enjoyed it anyway. And without much further ado, it's time to introduce this week's episode. And this week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking to Rachel Main, who is a very, very talented writer. Uh, and what was amazing was Rachel is actually from the same town I'm from. She's from Glenrothes. She went to the same school as me, but we'd never, ever met before. And it was a real pleasure to finally meet Rachel and to chat about creativity and to chat about her writing and yeah, it was just it was just honestly a real joy to speak to Rachel. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing? Nice to meet you.
1: Hi, Jamie. It's really nice to meet you as well. Like finally.
0: I know I just want to I'll give a quick shout out to Auntie Lorna. I Hope you're listening Lorna. Um, but we'd finally I'm finally chatting to Rachel as you've been telling me for years so it's nice to, it's nice to finally chat to you. Well for for our listeners uh Lorna's actually Elliot's mum so there you go. So we extra bit of knowledge for you there. But Rachel you're actually from Glenrothes but I've never met you before and you were we were at the same high school but you were like Way above me a couple of years So this is actually quite exciting Because this week I've interviewed somebody in Ireland I've interviewed somebody in LA So it's great to speak to somebody from Glenrothes To be honest
1: Yeah, no, it's very exciting to like be able to speak to someone else From and in a creative way Because I've always said to myself Like, oh Degree Scott is from Glen who went to the same high school as us. And, you know, he had a like career. What are the chances that anyone else could ever come from Glen (laughs) And have, like, be remotely successful, I feel like he took it all. <laughs> so, good to, good to know we're both out here trying to
0: Yeah, it. I think I've mentioned Degree Scott on the podcast before, because he's, like, the only famous person I can think of that's from our town. So, who knows, maybe there's a few more of us coming through. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rachel, you are a playwright. Are you a screenwriter as well?
1: Yeah, I consider myself a bit of jack-of-all-trades at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, like, started out with theatre and then... When I went to school, I started to do more screenwriting and like television writing as well. So, I'm trying trying to wear a lot of, a lot of hats, but I predominantly am a playwright.
0: That's the thing with writing, isn't it? Because like, I mean, I I did a screenwriting masters and stuff, and people would say like Jamie's a screenwriter, but I don't know. I don't I don't really see myself as a screenwriter. Yeah. Um, Something I've talked about A lot on the podcast Is I think I'm just see myself as a storyteller If that doesn't sound Too pretentious
1: No I I feel that as well Like I think it's just Sometimes you know Ideas come to me And it's not like They can only live on a stage Like you ask yourself Like what medium Does this fit best And I feel like Comfortable like Slipping into any I think it really Like it is about Telling stories It's like what What medium fits it best
0: Exactly And and I think um, Like there's so much over lap as well like scripts of all you know screenwriting is slightly different to play but there's a lot it's not like a hugely different thing I don't think writing a book is that different either really I think writing is writing at the end of the day
1: yeah like some of my like favorite writers are people who wear both hats like mm-hmm waller bridge like michaela cole yeah like totally
0: phoebe waller bridge is a great example of somebody who writes brilliantly for the stage and for tv and screen obviously and she i think she like mixes the medium so well
1: definitely i think that like the first episode of season two of fleabag we're just at the dinner table it's like they exit like to the bathroom and then they exit like outside but the rest of it for tv You're watching just a small group of people have a conversation for a long time, but you are just totally entranced by it. It's like theatre, but it's in a TV show. Yeah, it's just it's just fantastic.
0: It's so good, actually. It's one of my. I think that might be my favorite episode of Fleabag. It's one of my favorite episodes of TV, actually. I, I did a review for that years ago when it came <laughs> out, which I might link in the show notes. Yeah, and I, I, it's just me talking about how great that episode is, but it's so good.
1: Yeah, I think like starting anything with someone like with a bloody nose is like <laughs> what, what a strong what a strong. Start. Especially if Frank
0: Sinatra playing over it, I think it just it works so well.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was like one of one of my favorite shows and inspirations when it came out and it was really cool when I was in America everyone was obsessed with Fleabag but then I would like call my dad and be like have you watched Fleabag yet and he'd be like I've never heard of it it felt like very (laughs) much like a under the radar and then like exploded
0: my dad also loves fleabag now. he's a phoebe fan, so i love i love phoebe but the thing is you're right though because fleabag did fly under the radar because i didn't see season one till a little while after it had been out i think my friend sam turned me on to that yeah i watched season one i thought this is great and then i think that was maybe two years before season two came out but i definitely didn't like it didn't seem to be talked about that much i feel like it was quite a cult thing almost
1: yeah no i would totally agree like i watched it for the first time it was like my friend in america like again that was like yeah. oh you need to watch fleabag and then i remember being like so nervous for the second season like i'd seen it just before or because i knew the second season was coming out because i was like the first season's like based on her play it was like how could you live up to something so fantastic and then season two it honestly is just elevated like it's so fantastic it's just yeah i remember seeing it and like we spoke about the first episode but honestly like all of it the way it ends oh, it, it's so sad it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like your white whale, isn't it? It's like as a writer, it's like that's what I want to achieve. Yeah,
0: season two, because I didn't. I love season one. I thought there's no way they can do season two. Like they'll just like how can they like what can they do? And it, they just managed to make it even better. And it is honestly like one of my, the best seasons of TV I've ever seen. Like the ending of that is exceptional. Like, it's just exceptional. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, and it's like, it's so subtle, but when he also breaks, sorry for all the Fleabag spoilers. <laughs> no, it's
0: absolutely fine. If no one's watched it by this point, I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. It's what like, are you playing
0: at, crazy. listeners? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, when he like breaks the fourth wall, it was just like such a subtle thing, but with the largest explosive impact on the audience. Like, if you'd seen yeah. Fleabag, there's no way that you didn't like gas or just physically react in some way to that. Like, yeah, it was yeah. sensational.
0: Actually, I've got it here. The listeners won't get to see this, but I went. <laughs> I dressed up as the priest for Halloween a few years ago, and I've got a fox from when I did that. <laughs>
1: like, oh my god! It was the Best
0: costume I've ever done in my life. I just <laughs> saw it up there. It was above me. I thought I'm gonna have to mention the fox. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was staring at me almost. I'm like, yeah, I better mention that. <laughs> but that- um. It's honestly fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I had like cans of gin as well. Honestly, the best costume I've ever done in my life. No one got. A lot of people didn't get it. They were like, "So you're just a priest?" And I'm like, "No, I've got gin and a fox."
1: Like. <laughs> <laughs> you're an yeah. alcoholic.
0: I'm like, obviously, I wasn't attractive enough to be able to be like, "I'm the hot priest." But you know, it, it was enough. You know, I pulled it off. I think so. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know when you've done everything?
0: And you've even. Do you want to have sex? No. And you feel great. And even though your sister still hates you. Thank you. You're pretending to be friends because your dad is... I'm joking, he's just there.
1: Here's to love. Hey!
0: Ugh. Well, Rachel, I've, I, we should probably start the actual, um, not in a bad way, but I start asking you some questions about you, if that's okay.
1: I could talk about TV forever, so yeah, thank you. Oh, don't worry,
0: there'll be plenty of TV, quite- <laughs> TV chat, I'm sure. But we like to usually start the podcast by asking our guests, like, what is your earliest creative memory?
1: I, I really don't think there's any one thing I can pinpoint, to be honest. It's more just from, like as early as I can remember I was just always writing like I was always writing something like fictional and I remember like when I was like probably like five my gran would just always say it and like she still always said it I don't know how many times like the sentence has left her mouth where she's been like Oh, Rachel could just sit and write and write all day, just like her mother. It was always something that I, and it was funny, she like kept lots of stuff and it's like all nonsense, but it's just, I can think of a few specific things like at Carlton. I was always like really into like fantasy kind of TV kids, like, kids' TV shows. I remember writing about, like, flying, like, flying cars and things. (laughs) And then I really loved, I think, like, connected to me just naturally, just writing all the time. I started reading Jacqueline Wilson books. Yeah, it was... Just the biggest effect on me And like the I don't Did you ever read them? Any I them? didn't
0: read I don't think I read the books Per se But I, she did Tracy Beaker right I'm just making sure That's definitely this
1: Tracy It's a yeah. shame sh- because I feel like just because like, you know, like sexist book marketing and stuff, it was like very much just pivoted towards girls
0: Yeah, I remember them being in primary school, so they'd have them on the bookshelf But as you say, like it would always be the girls that would pick them up Like I feel like I would have got ripped if I'd read that book, uh, probably when I was like I 10
1: Yeah, it's like, it's it's a shame because I think they just, for me at least, like they just really spoke to me Because like so many of her characters like to sit and write and write mm-hmm. Like it's just like there's so much positivity about you know like being a writer and like having this thing like that you can just sit and do in your imagination and the books are all like very imaginative. It's fun I'm talking talk about Jacqueline Wilson because I actually started rereading some of her books during lockdown yeah. and realized what like a big effect they'd had on me no so, it's, it's interesting yeah and I remember copying a lot of Jacqueline Wilson books <laughs> <laughs> she had this one about a Victorian child I remember like at Carlton, we had to like write it was like write something during the Victorian period but it was meant to be like factual and I like came up to my teacher and I was like oh can I write like a diary from the perspective of like a Victorian child and she totally clocked <laughs> me, she was like have you seen the Lot? have you like read the Lottie project and I was like yeah and like, that's exactly what it was, it's like a diary of like a Victorian child <laughs> and I still wrote it. <laughs> I guess like she just wanted to like encourage like creativity whilst also like being too young to be taught about plagiarism
0: yeah well I mean what is it good artist borrow great artist steal or something
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's
0: what I go back to I mean I yeah I tend to I write a lot of things that are similar to things I love like I feel like I have nothing I feel like at the moment there's Obviously there's original things But you, you're always going to get things that are similar And I think that's fine
1: Yeah, no, completely, completely I definitely think, like, as a writer I'm, like, very referential And hopefully it's, like, borrowing But as a child, yeah. it's was very right <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: Yeah Well, Jack, you know what's interesting? Like, Tracy Beaker, I think They just did, like, a, a sequel or something Of that, it's just come out yesterday, I believe
1: Yeah, so she wrote A couple of years ago, she wrote up a follow-up book called My Mum Tracy B. car. read yet but I was properly like I'm buying that book like last night because I'd seen <laughs> I, think the, I think it's the first episode of like My Mum Tracy Beacart's Yeah, Carr show which is it's just so funny it's like something like we all grew up with like Danny yeah, Harmon and of Tracy like as a generation
0: I know I saw loads of people tweeting that they were watching it And I was like oh I need to see I will probably watch that later today actually Just just for the nostalgia
1: I'm definitely watching it I actually cannot wait to watch it
0: yeah, I, 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 For all of the non-UK based listeners They're going to be like What the hell are they talking about But um, yeah Tracy Beaker is an amazing kids show <laughs> On CBC Yeah it was
1: like very iconic And like to everyone grown up It like taught a generation of kids To like shout at adults and tell them to bog off (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah I don't think Jacqueline Wilson was like I might be wrong but I don't really think she had books in America so it's like funny that it's like just this very UK based phenomenon
0: that's good though it's good to have things like that you know I like it when we can have our own culture as well and like celebrate our own like authors and writers so it's not a bad thing
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah well this isn't I'm excited for this question Rachel Because we're from the same town But we ask all our guests Like how has where, where you're from How has that affected you as a writer How has that influenced your sort of creative journey
1: Oh it's funny I'm sure I'm sure we probably feel the same way About a lot of this Yeah Like growing up in Glenrothes It was very just something I resented To be quite honest For most <laughs> of my like childhood <laughs> About and I always just remember feeling very I don't know just like there wasn't any opportunities for me there like even if I wasn't conscious of it like even as a child I kind of like just had that feeling it was just a place that I just really wanted to move out of like I remember like when I was in high school and like having a difficult time I just tell myself like you're not gonna live in this place forever like you're gonna get out of this place yeah. and it was very much just just like this feeling of i i need to get out and i don't i honestly don't really know what exactly it was that affected me like that but yeah i definitely think that so much of being from gunner Office now is like so central to like my identity as a writer and it kind of took moving away to like new york which was always the kind of crazy irrational dream that i'd had yeah that i would like just leave Glenrothes one day and like move to london or move to new york and then it like happened and when i got there we had to write like our first play at like nyu's like dramatic writing department the only thing i could think to write about was (laughs) Glenrothes. Yeah.
0: Really weird that it's, it's almost ironic that.
1: Yeah, but it was it was such it was honestly like such a such a journey of feeling like oh this is I'm I'm gonna miss the people here but I'm not gonna miss office as a yeah. play Yeah, I mean a lot of things influenced that play. It was written so my mu- my mum is actually uh disabled. When I was twelve, my mum actually got uh, meningitis and was left uh, with partial brain damage. So in like flash forward to end of 2017 the government were kind of redacting like disability benefits in the traditional way and like introducing these PEP things which was basically just kind of came across like you need to like weed out anyone who's in a disability Jesus, but it led, yeah. it led to like a lot of disabled people just being so you know some of the most vulnerable people in society being just completely vulnerable and held against like the system which is really like trying to invalidate their disabilities in a way and I remember that my mum felt like that and it was like you know, crazy that she is like, had to retire from her work, like can't drive, can't work, and still felt so stressed that her benefits were going to be stripped away from her. Like, it just felt very austere around how we were going to do this. And I was in New York, and I just felt so helpless and so angry that I started writing a play based on the situation. But as I started to write it, when Rothfuss became this, <laughs> just a character in the play and how i felt tied to it and that, like it was a place i wanted to escape but also like it was a place that i mean it sounds cheesy but it like made me who i am like all my memories no absolutely of course
0: that's not cheesy at all that i think that's natural i think hometowns are meant to be that like i totally relate to that as well like Glenrothes is, is like i've lived in edinburgh for like, which is crazy actually now i am ne- be seven years this year which is insane and yeah. um I mean, it was amazing to escape. like, it sounds horrible to say that because I still go back. I still love visiting my family there, but it was great to like finally sort of escape because it didn't feel like there was opportunities there for me. And like, you know, me and my friends are really lucky that we had a sort of, you know, we could connect and we all loved the arts and we could escape into the arts. But it's quite a grey place in terms of that. There's not a lot of opportunity. So it's something that constantly comes back up in my work, I'd say. And I I really want to put Glen Ross on screen, actually. That's a big passion of mine. That's a big dream of mine.
1: I just think that instead of like resenting Glenrothes, I almost feel like Glenrothes didn't have a chance. It's like mm-hmm. my my grandparents came down from the Highlands to like work in Glenrothes because like people might not know this, but Glenrothes is a new town. It was yeah. built to be an industry town and so many people from all over Scotland like flock there. Yeah, it just it was meant to have all these trades and then everything kind of shut down and it never like probably in the 80s, I imagine, if not before. And then it just never recovered as a place. So you just, it just feels like this town that was made and people like went there and then just never, I don't know, we're just kind of stuck there. But I love going off for like what it is now. And I feel feel like we were definitely circling each other's orbit with like that feeling of like so many like creative people and like friends in our lives. Like I definitely, yeah, I feel like I'll never- never it's so cheesy but i'll never have friends like the friends i made in Office and like at home because and it's also just that sense of solidarity of like (laughs) 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 yeah (laughs) like we're you know we're just trying to make it work yeah
0: (laughs) absolutely no and it's amazing to to hear that from you because obviously we'd never spoke before but like it's it's crazy that we have these shared emotions about the town and like yeah, I, I think it is one of those places, isn't it? And and I, I, like as you say, like I wouldn't say a resented Glendaroff is like because when other people slag it off that aren't from there, I'm like, whoa, hold on, you you don't get to do that. Like we can slag well, it off because we're from there. But...
1: Oh, if you're from a surrounding five town, you cannot say anything about Glendaroff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, like, my most resentful.
1: Um... Like yeah, I'm not gonna slag off any specific towns, but if you're from a surrounding five area. Like keep going off <laughs> like, my leave the bus station alone. That is our <laughs> station.
0: I, I got to put the bus station in a script from a major project, and it was the funnest thing to describe ever. I think I described the town centre as like the place businesses go to die or something. And I remember <laughs> thinking that's like such a good line. <laughs> that is, it's so
1: it's so true. For anyone that has, uh, hopefully, most people haven't seen it. <laughs> um, it <laughs> It's blue. It hasn't been updated probably since it was made. There's a really ugly statue in it. For some reason, oh, I, I think for some reason, it's because there's nowhere to go in Glenrow Fest. Like It's just where all the kind of like gothic kids hang out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: like,
1: it's just a kind of catch-all area for people who are just wandering, I think, is the bus station. <laughs>
0: yeah but like it's, it's what you say like there isn't enough places for people to go that's a big problem like me and Elliot were so lucky and our friends we got to go to the Create project the YMCA and play music and stuff and that's not like that doesn't exist anymore that was a great little hub and that's been closed oh. down so that there's so many things like that need funding in that town and it is a shame and I'd love to be able to give back eventually to that town as well
1: I feel the I feel the exact same way like it's totally like instead of Like having any resentments whatsoever, like it would be my like absolute dream to give back and do some kind of like creative youth work. I'm really trying to like get that into the works and like it's one of my like goals for this year actually. So even like any kind of voluntary experience, any kind of shadowing experience, I'd love to do like creative youth work with heads from places like Glenrothes or like. Park on places where there's just like not any opportunities just let them know that they can do it as well
0: yeah absolutely no I totally share that and it's something I'd like to be more active in as well and I really hope this podcast can sort of do that a bit as well I'd love for I'd love for people from Glenrow office or for anywhere that anywhere really to listen to this and, and feel they can take some inspiration and we can give them some like knowledge because that's something I'm very passionate about and we're hoping to give some money to some charities from our Patreon page as well that do that exactly that so it's, it's something I'm really passionate about so it's great to hear someone else say that um, yep. But yeah, okay. you know, Sort of something we ask All our guests as well Is um, do you have a favourite Word or phrase From where you're from So it can be Scotland Or it can be Glenrothes. It's kind of up to yourself
1: Oh okay Okay So I know I promise I'll stop talking talk about Glenrothes. I really <laughs> enjoy that like it gets called Glenrothan Is very much If you're from Glenrothes, you can And nobody <laughs> um I love that yeah I hear the first thing that came to my head and it's funny it comes to me like in the voice of like what Elliot's sister like one of my best friends Emily <laughs> <"El Chibier."> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I've heard <laughs> her say that before <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's very then. <fretman. laughs> um, but yeah but we used, we used to actually like work together we used to work in a bar together just to me I hated I hated that job so she you can
0: talk about it in the part-time job question if you want <laughs>
1: Just, like turn the corner and be like i'll chip you like in my ear and stuff <laughs> so yeah it's the first one i thought of so i'll go it's,
0: it's, a, it's a good good answer <laughs> <laughs> i give giving emily and lauren a wee shout out so they'll be happy Hope, oh you're li- hope they're both listening. Well, sort of, we should move on now to. So, you went to Dundee and you studied English and film at Dundee University. So, how did that come about? Because you were saying as a kid you were writing loads. Was that always the plan then?
1: No, definitely not. I, I, I mean, it's funny, like, as a child, And then growing up, I always just—if I was ever asked like what kind of job I wanted—I'd always just say like to be a writer. And it was like when I was getting older and like not enjoying high school, like I think my like mum and grand started to find it less cute, and were very like you have to get a real job. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all heard it.
1: We all heard it. it. We all hear it at some point. I think I heard it when I was like you know thinking of leaving school at 16 and like I get it like it's not like super practical but I just always had this like unshakable faith like even even at my like very very lowest and just feeling like all the odds were stacked against me I was like no I'm still gonna be a writer like I'm still gonna do it but they kind of wanted to push me into this direction of doing journalism which I guess I'm sure like a lot of writers can like relate to that like for some reason Being a writer isn't seen as like a real job But being a journalist I mean it is a real job But it's just seen as this Great alternative When it's nothing like what you actually Absolutely (laughs) So I've never, like, wanted to do anything factual, really. I knew that I wanted to write, like, fiction. So I ended up going to... It was Adam Smith College in Glen Office at the time, It's Smith Life College. I actually did their NC Media course first, which is just truly, like... I have no idea what I'm going to do, so it's just a bit of... You get a bit of practice with the cameras, you get Photoshop. And it was honestly just a bit of fun, but the intention was I'd then do, like the next year I'd like go and do like the journalism course. And then I just really pivoted and I just they had like a journalism course, a TV course, and a radio course. I just was like, I wanna go for it. Like I'd heard there was a chance to do script right in on the TV course. And so <laughs> my like mom and grand weren't very happy with me at the time, but I was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna do a television course. <laughs> and it was I mean, not fantastic. It was really stressful. It's probably, funnily, fun it's probably one of the hardest I've ever worked at, like, any any of the kind of degrees that I've done. Yeah. Um, it, was so, it was so intense for what it was looking back. Like, they'd just leave us. Like, at the end of the day, like, it would hit five and we could stay in, like, these editing suites until, like, the college shut. And I just had such, like, a great time with everyone on my course. We're still best friends. Like, we still... It's bit, I would have graduated from there in 2015-ish, I think, -hmm. or 2014, I'm not sure. And like six, seven years later, we're all still just, we have regular meetups and Zoom chats, our college chat is still going, so. That's great. Every every day. (laughs) 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 And yeah it it was just such a great thing and even though I have absolutely nothing technically useful from that like I never made a short film that was good I never (laughs) like you know never wrote a script that was usable or that I could submit to anything but just like for finding me as a person like that course honestly like just put me on like a good course (laughs) and Yeah. yeah so I ended up I actually applied to go to like a few different unis in Edinburgh after that. I remember it was like I'm just going to continue doing TV so like I applied to like Napier. I think I think I app- applied to Edinburgh Uni, I'm not sure. And then just as just a random thing just because I wanted I just wanted to see if I could get in. I like applied to like Dundee to get second year advanced entry, which is like very cheeky looking back because <laughs> Like, you know, I didn't really come away with, like, any, like, good results from high school at all. So I only had this, like, HD in like, television. Yeah, I don't know, like, against what I wasn't expecting at all, I got accepted into Dundee. And I just felt like I'd been chosen. I think a part of me had always wanted to, like, study... English and film in a more academic way. Like, I, even though I didn't like the idea of journalism, I still like the idea of academia. If I couldn't be a writer, then I could write about writing, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I went to Dundee and Dundee is really like what I think made me, like I really grew into myself when I went to Dundee. And like, I fell into it, like shout out to Lip Theatre Company. I like joined the Student Theatre Company called lip theater at the time when I joined it was very like we're a drinking society with <laughs> a like, like very amdram like all of our shows the biggest budgets we ever got was about a hundred pound if you were a hundred to two hundred if you were lucky like one time we put on the crucible for 500 and we broke the bank it the was crucible
0: what a classic that was a we used to do that a lot in drama at <laughs> high school that. I kind of hate that play now because I've, I've seen it so many times I've had to, I've had to read the lines so many times as well
1: no I actually ended up assistant assistant direct in the crucible, and it was uh I mean it was good when it was over <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm bitter, but I feel I feel the same way like I honestly just couldn't sit and watch the crucible again there's just some some experiences you have and like High school and like uni, but it just totally taints like classic pieces. Yeah, because
0: them. Arthur Miller is a great playwright. I'm not disputing that at all. But like that play particularly has been been tainted uh, definitely.
1: Yeah, and it's just the kind of thing where I just associate it with people who were in lit, like, <laughs> like <the> characters. <laughs> so it's not like I could ever sit and read it again. <laughs> but yeah, I'm also so it. It was great. Like I, I really loved the course as well. I was very like at the end of the course, I was like. Oh, I'll probably continue in academia. Like, I wasn't doing a ton of creative writing. But the writing I did do, I started writing plays for what? Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote, like, a 10-minute play... And then I wrote like a little sketch. Like, I just started to, I still had, even though I was like balancing, like, I had two part time jobs when I was at uni. I was, you know, like writing essays, <laughs> like, all the time, watching films, not for pleasure, all of the time, which is something that's become such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> um, so, I'm really glad I didn't go into academia, actually. But the big opportunity, I suppose, came up when every your lip theater goes to the fringe with a play that one of an original play that one of our members writes. It's like just something that has been a tradition. It like gets saved up for all year. And I remember just being like, I didn't have anything, but I remember being like, I think I could write a play. And at the time I was just such a baby, like looking back and like, oh, you have no idea what you're getting yourself in for. But I was like, I could have a play with Fringe. I could do that. (laughs) Like, no big deal. And then I wrote it and it was accepted and it wasn't fantastic, but it was just an amazing experience. It was the first time I'd seen like more than 10 minutes of my work mm. staged and it was just such a labor of love from everyone for what it was the cast were so committed to it and it like we we all um so me like the cast from what we all lived in the fringe flat together
0: oh amazing amazing it
1: was it was haunted it was like I ended up having to be the <laughs> fringe coordinator because the person who was a fringe coordinator had to had to leave and I had to take over all the organization so I had to book flat I ended up booking us the only thing we could afford was like two bedrooms between seven or eight people yeah it it was just wild we had like two bedrooms but one of the rooms was a single bed so we ended up calling it the luxury bedroom (laughs) (laughs) one person got to sleep there on rotation and everyone else Younger bedroom together.
0: Wow, that—that's what the French is all about, though. That's what probably makes it so. I mean, I've always lived here, so I've always been fortunate that I've had a place to stay that was quite comfortable. That
1: is, <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah, we—we we did not, but it was yeah. so. Cute. Like looking back, I was like twenty. 21. It was the perfect time to do it. I definitely can do it now. I probably still have back pain from like one of our mattresses deflated and we had yeah. A- <laughs> 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 but it was just the most fantastic experience to like be in Edinburgh, surrounded by just there's like one of the biggest festivals in the world. Yeah, so, it's, ama-
0: it's amazing. I, I, really- I missed it so much this
1: year. I I know. Me too. Me too. And also, like, at a similar time, I guess I was feeling creative at this point. I'd submitted to GMAT Glasgow's. They had this Mad About Movies summer competition. I yeah. I don't know if they'll do it, but it's an amazing opportunity. And I remember applying the previous year, and I didn't get it. And then the next year, they gave me a call and were like, Rachel, we really loved your idea from last year. Like, would you, would you like to make it this year? Um, like, oh, wow set like we'll film it we'll bring a director on board like you just have to write the script yeah and it was it was just really lovely so I did that at the same time so I was just filled with all this like just this creative energy I was at the fringe at the same time as like the short film was gonna premiere at like that's
0: amazing
1: the end and Renfrew Street in Glasgow it was just all that kind of came together and like I guess I felt like all this stuff about being an academic or whatever like went right out the window and I just was like filled with this thing of like you've always wanted to be a writer you've always wanted to be a writer and I guess it's it had been in the back of my mind always subconsciously because something I'd done at the very start when I first got accepted into Dundee I remember thinking this is a great opportunity for me to really like make something of myself just before like that summer I'd went to New York with my mum and it was like one of the first big holidays we'd went on since my mum had taken L, and I was old enough to kind of like organize it all like the plane tickets the hotel mm-hmm. like all of that like our itinerary like where we how we how we'd move about the subway I remember we sat at um, uh this this fountain in Central Park I remember her turning to me and being like <laughs> you know if you if you want to live here like I'm not going to be around forever I really want you to like pursue your dreams
0: oh wow and
1: it just meant a lot after being
0: yeah you know like
1: one point she kind of not that she didn't believe in me but just really wanted didn't see right in as a practical thing and like mm-hmm. you know didn't understand how much of an escape it was and how much I needed it yeah um,
0: that, that, that's amazing because it was like almost like this fight you know confirmation for you almost uh, to like feel like you could go for that dream that you'd sort of maybe didn't You know, because you maybe would have had doubts Because it's really difficult to, like, have that confidence, I think So it's great that you had all these experiences, like, happen around the same time To really give you that confirmation that you could do it sort of thing
1: Definitely, and I'd, like, I actually, we'd passed NYU just walking around New York I remember we passed, so NYU split up into all sorts of different buildings So we'd walk across to see the NYU Tisch School of the Arts building And I actually ended up making it my desktop wallpaper. Oh, wow. Um, When I first went to Dundee. So I was at Dundee for three years. And so just in the background, I just had this like NYU tissue of art. And it was a total subconscious thing. I feel like if I probably would have changed it at some point, if I even thought (laughs) about it, I barely ever look at the desktop because I have a million tabs open all the time.
0: Yeah, all (laughs) all, all good writers do, I think.
1: (laughs) yeah definitely like my friends like get so mad at me I have so many tabs all the time but still I suppose still there subconsciously and just coming off the fringe coming off having this short movie get made I was like it's coming up like I'll need to like apply to Tesh. I'm gonna actually have to do it and I applied with the play that I'd done at the fringe and I applied with the film and a couple of other things. And I ended up getting waitlisted, which Amazing. honestly, to me, is a win. I almost, we were doing Treasure Island at Lip, and then I was getting calls, like, when I found out, you know, like, <laughs> where are you? Like, the show starts. And like, an hour. Like, 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 you need to be getting ready with everyone else. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I just found out I got waitlisted for NYU. <laughs> and, <laughs> Um, then my friend was like just like oh my god that's amazing it was like the first person I told because he'd called me just to be like where are you and I was like just sitting in shock yeah uh, (laughs) yeah so that was oh and the other thing I found out that at a similar time that I got accepted to St Andrews to do women and gender studies kind of like academic course which oh okay been about you know like writing and film and like academia and like yeah. I'd been accepted into like the master's program, so I'd been really excited about that. And this had always been a pipe dream. So then yeah. getting waitlisted, even though it wasn't an acceptance, that like crazy little voice I'd always had in the back of my head, being like, you you will be a writer someday. Like you just you you will. That just wouldn't shut off. And so from then on, like all I could think about was like, no shade. It's I'm sure it's like an amazing program, but I think even though I didn't reject the offer. Because because I obviously wanted the safety of it. I was, my heart was 100% in this pipe dream of going to NYU.
0: absolutely incredible though I think it's so helpful for our listeners to hear this it's such you have such an inspiring story Rachel and like that is you know you got to go to like your dream place and that's amazing and I'm well obviously about to come on to this next chapter of your life but um no I think it's it's incredible and it's like you know people I think a lot of our listeners and I feel like this I feel like an imposter often as a writer or like as a creative sometimes I feel like am I good enough and you always have those nagging voices in your head and I think a lot of our listeners will relate to that so it's great when you're how honest you've been that you also had that but like having these amazing opportunities Like sort of gave you the belief And I think that's so important
1: Yeah I mean it goes to again Like probably why we both feel super passionate About why we want to do Like working with young people mm-hmm. And like helping them realise that Because you know It's not something we like directly had no. But it's just If you're from like a far-flung town Or a town that doesn't have many opportunities Or is an area that doesn't have many opportunities for you So much of society And so many of what is just being painted as being practical is built in to like invalidate your dreams and I just see so easily at so many different steps of my life how I just could have like fallen through the net and like not been helped you know my heart like just really goes out to people and like especially young people who feel that way so yeah it would it would just be really fantastic if like especially once lockdown's done to like really put a lot into trying to make some kind of opportunity for young people to like foster this community and creativity it like really it really means a lot
0: hello it's jamie and Elliot here i hope you're enjoying today's episode of just get a real job i just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast word of mouth is the best way for us to grow so Please, if you can, share us on social media. Tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little or as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www.com patreon.com/slash/just/get/a/real/job. So thank you very much again for all your support, and you can also find a link to the Patreon page in the show notes. But anyway, now back to today's show. Well, Rachel, I think it's time for us to go to New York now. So th- this is amazing. So you get <laughs> you get to go to. NYC. That's right. Is it NYC? I got I got that correct.
1: Uh, so it's in New York University. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, so it's like in Greenwich Village in New York.
0: Oh my god. Wow. Um,
1: yeah, it's really <laughs> It was like I felt a little bit Like a Cinderella story Like I remember Like leaving I I literally left The Fringe In mid-August And had to be In New York For the end of August So (laughs) It was a really Tight turnaround And Yeah I suppose I'll just say If anyone's interested In applying to Not just NYU But to Any school In America really American tuition Is a different world To ours I think I At NYU at the time, so I went in 2017, it was $60,000 per year, and it was a two-year course. So, <laughs> the in between of me being waitlisted to being accepted was just my mum being really supportive but nervous. And my dad, my dad's always believed in me. My dad is like, yeah, just a sidebar. Like, my dad has been the one person who's always been like, I, I just think you will be a writer. Like, I know you will mm-hmm. be. But he, it was so it was like kind of hard. At the months whilst I was waitlisted, my dad really did a sharp turn when he found out it was going to be expensive. And like came down kind of hard and was like you know like you have to take your name off the waitlist that like you can't you can't go like we don't have you know we can even pay you paid like per semester so you'd pay 30 grand a semester and he was like you know we can't do <laughs> we, we can pay rent the first month basically um so yeah it's expensive to apply and then new york city is one of the most expensive places to live probably course, in the whole world yeah. so there's a lot of uh i didn't think about any of that and i think um it's hard to give advice because it, it, it works out for me but I'd also say try and be a little bit practical beforehand at least be self-aware and make plans because there is there's so many different scholarships you can get if you're from the UK and you want to study in America there's, like, there's Fulbright. If you're in Scotland, there's the Jura Awards. Yeah, like, maybe... Um, we can I mean, link these in the web. show
0: notes if you if you want to send me these, after, like, at some point. We can put them in all the show notes so people can go and look for them.
1: Exactly. That's a great idea. So, basically, what... The one that I got was very specific. It was for people who had were just finishing their uni degree. So, I was just coming out of English and Film at Dundee and... It was for $60,000 to specifically study a kind of anything kind of artistic or creative in New York City. Yeah. Very very specific. Um, But I I did get interviewed for it, but there was maybe about eight other people who were also being interviewed. So it's good to know there's a lot of other people like pursuing this, but it's not, you know, there might be more people than you think. So I was really lucky that I got that scholarship and I was able to pay a bit. And then being quite honest, because I knew I could pay the first year, I was like, I'm going to go and I know that's reckless, and my dad still thought it was reckless. But I think he was so impressed. I guess me and my dad had kind of had this standoff with, without ever actually having a huge argument. Of me being like, well, him being like, you can't do this. To me being like, I'll make the money. Like if and basically like if I if I produce the money, then you can let me go. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd found the money for the first year, so he was kind of like, you know what, like, I actually don't, I can't say anything, like, even if I don't agree, and I think you're being, like, reckless, like, you've gone and got that scholarship now, so you've went and forced your way into it, so I'm just going to be supportive, which is, I will say, like, just sidebar again, like, I have, I know I've spoken a little bit about my mum and my grand just having concerns, but no one in my family has ever actually really tried to invalidate me, or really tried to steer me away from that, like, I know a lot of people will have family, like working writers who have family who still don't consider it a real profession. So... I've, I've always been fortunate like that
0: There's something um, Just to relate to that It's just something that we've said On the podcast a lot Is like a lot of people's parents we, It's totally like, we, I totally get it And like my mum and dad Have always supported me But I do un- sometimes get Why people Like people's parents are reluctant Because this is a really hard industry And pe- people's parents Want their kids to be comfortable And financially okay And, and this isn't an, an industry Where that's guaranteed So I do understand People's parents You know Sometimes being a bit like Nervous for their kids That's absolutely fine I think that's totally reasonable as well
1: yeah I agree and you know like when you're working class it's like you feel it as well where it's Mm -hmm. just like or I say you but I mean like in myself like everyone like when you're working class the industry is just known for being about networking and just not being something accessible absolutely from a far flung place or you know don't have the opportunities and yeah I think my advice would be don't be as reckless as me like definitely (laughs) really really think about whether for sure your dreams but just no, just do do your research I was really fortunate because a Scottish person shout out to JD Stewart my good friend who's also a fabulous playwright and writer who did the dramatic writing course and had graduated the same year as I was gonna start it he invited Mm -hmm. me to love with him for a bit and he had gone for a very similar thing like he had money for the first year but didn't have enough for the second year and he really encouraged me to like get over this thing of and I think a lot of working class people have this where it's like well you can't ask for a handout yeah no definitely yeah you know what I mean like it you was you like
0: them. a pride thing, isn't it? It's like a pride thing, I think.
1: Yeah, it's like it's instilled, it's instilled into you, and it's like it's pride, and it's like it's
0: probably guilt as well because you you're like my and dad don't have a lot of money, and why would I, it's not fair for me to like expect them to give me? Do you know what I mean?
1: De- definitely the guilt of it as well, and very like I feel I feel like I felt like I had gone out of my way, I'd made the first scholarship happen, like I had to do that again, I had to make that happen myself. I couldn't go to the school and ask them for money. And it was the first time, and it's still weird to think about, it was the first time I'd been around rich people. Like, mm-hmm. not that everyone in my course was rich or anything at all. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Like, but just being in New York, being in a very expensive school,
0: yeah, you're you're surrounded by privilege almost, like in a way that you had never been before. I kind of I get what you mean.
1: Just a senseless amount, like money that mm-hmm. doesn't even feel like a real amount of money, and it was just hard to wrap my head around. But I ended up writing a letter to the chair of my department, and they actually have an interdepartment award for screenwriters. So it was for screenwriting oh, actually wow. amongst within the art department. So I suppose I was nominated for it and that basically paid for the rest of my tuition. Brilliant. So I'm so privileged and so fortunate and it really, like, I had no business working out as well (laughs) as it did because I went in with very little plan and just this pipe dream that I knew I wanted to make happen at like the age of 22 (laughs) where i didn't actually have to pay and i didn't pay anything towards my nyu education but however i still had to i still had to work almost a full-time job which was also at nyu because when you're an international student you can't work in new york city like you have to work at the school right so nyu if you can't legally work Like, I couldn't work at, like, like, I don't know, I couldn't work in, like, a grocery store. Like, that would be Mm -hmm. big up. It was very competitive. So, oh, my gosh, my rent was so expensive. It was, like, I'm not going to say how much it was. It was really expensive. And that was a cheap apartment (laughs) for New York (laughs) City. So just, like, even though I had this great privilege of having my education paid for me, I really, really had to hustle to be able to afford the cost of living in New York and I wish that maybe I'd planned that But I don't know how. It's, it's, it's done now, but I just, the balance of having to work and also do the same amount of work as like other, other people and be like frustrating and it can, and other people in my class had jobs as well, but it was just I remember like just thinking like oh this isn't a course this is a full-time course but I had almost a full-time job so yeah just I-, I think if anyone was thinking about going to America or like to study or just going anywhere that like you might not have the funds to study but it's your dream absolutely go for it absolutely manifest it just try it. like these applications can sneak up on you for things so wow. I would obviously just say try and research just a bit in advance and but also just go for it like yeah. I, it has somehow worked out for me like I'm That's still here I'm, I'm not <laughs> in, I'm, I'm in Glasgow now but I'm somehow not in financial ruin from yeah. going, to, going to America
0: <laughs> no thank thanks very much Rachel for being so open and honest and sharing your experience of going to uni in America and it sounds amazing um so did you I take it you loved the course there you got a lot out of it as a writer
1: and stuff the course was life-changing the course it really it really was amazing I think not you're in a you're in like a relatively small pool of people where it was like maybe 19 of us students and you have like teachers who are like so respected in their profession and that doesn't mean everything but you know it was works that I had already had an appreciation for before going like joining the course and. Mm-hmm just having people, I think having people who were working writers was, like, sometimes had its challenges because they were very busy, but also just a good insight into a lot of things. Yeah, and, you know, my classmates were amazing. It was such a, you know what, you'll notice as well when you're in such a intense, like, you know, getting your script in on time is, like, the biggest the biggest hurdle. (laughs) And so, you know, like, so many nights just spent on these uncomfortable couches at NYU <laughs> and one summer I will do an expose where <laughs> like a little little rat started to come out of the floorboard
0: oh Jesus
1: so, very New York so it's yeah. like very in this That's like very
0: starving artist uh, in New York isn't it <laughs>
1: Getting that is like you're in this old, extremely expensive building, like God knows how. You're like one AM, you're trying to meet your deadline, that you've like said hi to the janitors, and then these little rats start running out. It was wild. <laughs> it
0: sounds like a very good course. Um so yeah, that is interesting. So you you come back to Scotland obviously, and you know, pandemics and all that going on, so it's not an ideal time. And you're in Glasgow now, you said, but you've been working on a play, which you actually got paid to do, I believe.
1: Yeah, it was first time I'd ever been paid to write and I think for Coming out of NYU, I kind of had, I'll say quickly, I think the, po- the post-degree blues of, like, it's a hard place to live when you're not actively pursuing your dream. So the bubble did burst for me a bit, and I realized that there wasn't a lot of opportunities, Even work-wise, it was really hard to get hired. So when I left New York, I remember, like, saying to myself, like, I think my goal for next year would be to feel like, I don't think this is for other people. It's purely for me. I was like, I'd love to just get paid to write at some point. I no, think I think that's,
0: that's a very fair goal. And yeah, I mean, I, to this day, never received a penny for anything in Britain. So like, I think it's something I'm definitely would really liked as well, to be honest.
1: It's just, it's just one of those like little, little stepping stones that you think about to yourself. And it was just in December that... Mm-hmm. I like so it's the it's for playwriting was the first commissions project with Working Lab in collaboration with Canes Plough which are two theatres and it was just the the goal of the program was they wanted to just give commissions to free writers and I'd submit I'd submitted them to them and I'd submitted this idea that was uh, just kind of like me trying to figure out what was going on with these kind of like health problems I've been having and I ended up turning that the pain of that like into this play and I remember it being like it was like a really rushed application to be honest and it's funny because you spend like hours and hours on some of them and some you never hear back (laughs) and then this this one it just clicked with the lovely team at WoLab and yeah so I was able they they paid me I was able to take two months to write this play and I'd never written a play for anyone but myself I'd never written like yeah I'd never written a play for anyone but myself before so it was just really it was very validating and honestly a very healing process like there was a deadline to finish it in uh, February you know but it was just the most supportive team the other playwrights were fantastic as well like we really we really bonded like the team at Lab really uh, they were so conscious of how as artists we were feeling during lockdown they were so open and candid with us and it just created this really lovely atmosphere but, that's great to hear yeah I, I think there could have been a lot of I don't know about you I'm a very anxious writer
0: <laughs> oh I'm like I'm, I'm an incredibly I would I would I would stretch that to say I'm an incredibly anxious person so I <laughs> very much relate to that
1: Good. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is. It's so because I think I think it stems, I identified it because I've always worked during uni and uni's the only other place I've had deadlines. Whenever I had work and uni combined and I knew a deadline was coming up. Yeah. I become the most neurotic mess of a person and I just have all this anxiety towards the idea of deadlines um, yeah,
0: I, I can relate to that like it's like nothing everything else become like it, life becomes very stressful and you can only really think about one thing and you become almost obsessive about it I, that's how I feel anyway
1: yeah I'm I'm really fortunate I'm like also like just side side note like a really great thing as I moved in with like one of my best friends in Glasgow and also Mm. like our other roommate has become one of my best friends and we're all creative people and we all understand each other so that's brilliant very much like very much what I would say is a safe space in the home department and also just before what really meant a lot and they did so many sweet things like this but just before the writing process was really you know like waving the flag like oh you should start writing now one of the co-directors of WOLAB uh, Alistair Wilkinson wanted to have a call with me and like you know have me like write down like what some of my goals were and we could like talk about it and like my biggest one was I really want to remove the anxiety around my writing and that alongside actually writing the play kind of like developing healthy habits as a writer so important With the team at WOAB was also part of this lovely like journey that they gave us. Like it wasn't just like they also we did lovely workshops and they were fantastic to learn about how to produce. And like I've always always done writing before, so I actually don't have any practical knowledge (laughs) of like how to produce things, like how to budget. I don't know any of that. So that was helpful, but yeah to have like Alistair like encourage me to vocalise those goals oh. and then they very much become like became something like we'll check in about and then by the end of the process where are you at with it even though I'm not the anxiety is like still there but it was never this feeling of like there's so much pressure for this play to be yeah like, an amazing play like it was very much about the process and finding it and I think that's really why my heart is more in playwriting. I'm not saying TV and screen's not like that, but I just think theater and theater makers are really trying to, like, kind of cultivate this culture of, like, really taking care of yourself and your mental health, which I'm not slating this about film or TV. It's actually, I think everyone knows it, but because there's, like, so many different moving parts involved, it's very, like you know click 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 move 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 like get stuff done like there's so many lovely people who are also cultivating that like energy and like community within film and tv as well but i think just due to the moving parts of it it's it's not really able to like create that space the way that theater i think think that's
0: so that's so interesting to hear rachel um i would actually say there's probably two factors and i think playwrights are get more respect than screenwriters do because in play in theatre, the playwright is seen as, like, the main person. Like, they're put on the same level as a director or producer as in film. Where And also, I think, as you say, I think there's probably just more space and time as a playwright to to have those chance to develop something, because there's usually in theatre less money involved. So I think that has a huge impact on it. But it's yeah. really interesting to hear that.
1: Yeah, no, and it's, I think what you hit in there, like, exactly on the head about what it is, but... Um... Yeah, I definitely feel like when theatre, the way that I I feel like theatre should work is when the playwright, it's not even the playwright, everyone that's like to serve the playwright, it's more everyone come in to serve the story. Yeah which is more of an equal foot in Um, and I think for kind of reasons you said like film and tv don't work that way and yeah it's just it's an industry I'm very interested in but I think it's honestly one of the barriers to it is a little bit around you know my mental health and stuff Mm. and like just taking care of myself and things like that I think like you just have to be very mindful when Uh,
0: absolutely
1: stuff with film and tv
0: definitely
1: just
0: get a real job. Um. Well, Rachel, this I'm loving this conversation, but I'm realising we've been speaking for like, over an hour, I and know. I'll, just, I, I'll try and I could talk to you for so much longer. And it, I've loved this. I've just got two more questions for you. We ask everyone that comes on, and um, what's the worst part-time job you would ever had, or job you'd had to sort of work to support yourself that you hated?
1: <laughs> so, you don't have to name.
0: We don't have to name the company, just to be clear. Like, if if you can, oh, if you yeah. want, though, obviously.
1: The thing is is that Elliot will, you probably will be able to pinpoint it as well, but maybe I shouldn't shout it out. (laughs) Um, So I've been... Very fortunate that I've worn a bunch of different hats. I don't think I've ever done a job that's been in the same industry and I've had about six or seven different hustles like mm-hmm. since uh uni and like going like to do my masters. So the worst job I've ever had. I'll count it because I was at the NC Media course at five College. So yeah. i was I'm still working on my art. Is <laughs> that I worked at this bar. Okay, really- I think
0: I know the bar now, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know what she's talking about, listeners, but I won't, I won't say anything.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I worked at this pub, and it was just—I actually took like my best friend's old job as like a as a glass collector, and I was like mm. very, like very much like I came in. She said, "Oh, you should hire Rachel," and I got hired. My first job ever. I was like collecting <laughs> glasses at function suites with like just <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Emily was, my best friend Emily, uh, shout out to Emily Mitchell, Elliot's sister, um, (laughs) was my only friend there. She was my friend beforehand and she remained my only friend (laughs) for the entire year that I worked at this bar. I don't know what it is about me. Nobody vibed with me whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, well it wasn't even the job itself but I think because I was very shy back then and a lot of people would come in and want to do banter <laughs> want to do banter but it was kind of like you know like old man banter and yeah, stuff and,
0: and you just, just can't really, no I can I can relate to that, I small talk's hard
1: and more form, you know what it was is I really felt a little bit just uncomfortable myself like not actually uncomfortable in the pub itself but mm-hmm. I just really wanted to present myself well and I was so nervous all the time that like when people wanted to like it was more about as a staff member, you had to be best friends with all the punters. And if you weren't friends with the punters, people were like, why? Like, <laughs> you know, it was really like a way of life for, mm. it was like such a community. I guess it's an example of a community of people that was very much like great for them, but yeah, I was very isolated from it. So I wouldn't, it's just, like, yeah. <laughs> didn't
0: particularly enjoy it. No, that's fair. That's a good answer. Well, Rachel, you'd given us some great advice for it. In fact, you've been so open and honest. I really appreciate it. I think this is a great episode. I think our listeners will really enjoy it. I think I'm, I've, it's inspired me. So thanks for that. But we'd like to sort of ask everyone if you could just summarise what you've sort of been saying. Do you have, What advice would you give to anyone that maybe wants to be a writer, wants to be working the arts in general? Like, what would you say to them?
1: Okay, just a couple of things. Do it. And I mean, literally do it. Be proactive. Write, write, write. Even if it's bad, try doesn't mean you have to write every day it doesn't matter like when you pick stuff up again but just just do it that's the easy part I think the other two things I'd say is just try and find your people and by that is in one sense you know like do your research see people who could potentially be mentors for you or just people that can give you really good advice like do that but in a deeper way like find your people who will be your people like the ones who believe in you who believe in your dreams and your writing or just your dreams even the people you know that like even when the chips are down those people are still going to be there and they are still going to believe in you the way they have since day one so that takes time it's something you have to cultivate and I think I didn't realize that as much and I've been very fortunate but you know like if just just um keep it in mind i think people get very competitive and there's reasons for that but it's really not about that at the end of the day if there's enough success for everyone out there i really believe yeah. i really believe that absolutely and, um, and i guess the last thing would be um a really good piece of advice that i got so i'll pass it on is just try and be your own cheerleader And that doesn't mean go out screaming and shouting about being great. It's just trying to challenge that voice. Every creative person's like little devil on your shoulder that's telling you that this isn't real like but it's the imposter syndrome i'm such a self-critical person but someone told me like just try try being your own cheerleader and that just means like actively trying to challenge the imposter syndrome and the voices in your head and it's hard but just have a go at it i guess i would say
0: that's absolutely brilliant advice like you'd so i think you'd summarize the sort of main things we spoke about in this episode so well there and I, I the thing you said about cultivating your people is so true and actually everything you'd said has come up time and time again since doing this podcast i mean i think we're like 20 odd episodes we recorded at least 20 episodes now and it's so interesting how the people's advice is so similar because it's so true it's like i think having your tribe of people is that is vital for me keeps me going and and yeah being your own cheerleader i love that little phrase you said that i think that's brilliant so thank you very much rachel
1: oh no thank you so much for having me Jamie it has like been very great to like connect over Glen Office in a very specific way it's nice we finally met
0: (laughs) I know it's great to finally meet It's, it's insane how much things we have in common and similarities and feelings about our town and stuff and we'd never met so yeah that's that's been amazing and I really appreciate you giving us our time Rachel I've loved this conversation we could have spoke for a lot longer but you know i think i think this has been good so thank you
1: yeah definitely and i'm i suppose if it's okay if anyone has listened to this and has heard me talking about like going to school in america or just wants advice about literally anything could find me on twitter at citizen underscore main (laughs) um and yeah like Uh, anyone like feel free to reach out to me yeah
0: we'll, we'll link all your details in the show notes as well rachel but thank you very much for offering that i'm sure some of our listeners will take you up we really appreciate it thank you
1: oh thank you so much have a good rest of your day
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of just get a real job i would like to thank rachel once again for giving us her time and chatting to us i really enjoyed it and rachel has very very kindly sent me some scholarship links for anyone that might be interested in studying anything to do with film and tv in america there is links to them in the show notes make sure to check them out as always as well as i said at the start but If you are enjoying the podcast, please, please, please can you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That goes such a long way in growing the podcast. Also, if you can afford to donate to our Patreon page as well, you can do that by hitting the link in the show notes all the money we make goes back into the podcast and even if you can just afford to give us something like a pound a month you know the price of a cup of coffee price of a pint and it honestly goes so far so anything you can afford to spare to our Patreon page we would be very grateful for but the main thing you can do the best thing you can do is just tell people to listen tell friends to listen share us on social media put we Instagram stories post or something you know it goes so far uh, in growing the podcast so any help you can get we're very grateful for but but just thank you for listening if, you were, if this was your first time I hope you enjoyed it Please go back and listen to our other episodes To all our regular listeners And to our patrons in particular Thank you so much for your support as always We'll be back again next week With another episode Of Just Get a Real Job Stay safe folks
1: Just get a real job